0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Mayor Tom Henry podcast. Uh, this is episode number 29, recorded on July the 8th, 2019, from Citizen Square. On today's program, we're going to be talking about neighborhoods, and I'm excited to welcome the Executive Director of NeighborLink, Andrew Hoffman, to the program. Andrew, thanks for stopping by today.
1: Mayor Henry, thank you for uh, for allowing me to come. Looking forward to talking to you.
0: Well, Andrew, but... I think all of us understand that neighborhoods are the backbone of any city. And the work that you do, that NeighborLink does, is is an attempt to try to work with those people in the neighborhoods who are in need of certain services. Uh, And I think that's incredible, uh, that we actually have an organization that whose mission is to take care of those who live in in our neighborhoods who might need a hand up somewhere. Uh, Will you tell our listeners exactly what NeighborLink is, though, and what kind of services do you offer?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, NeighborLink uh, was a culmination of several churches trying to to live active and missionally uh, by serving vulnerable homeowners. In 2003, they formalized NeighborLink as an independent organization. What they found were thousands of vulnerable homeowners, a lot of people, a lot of seniors, people with disabilities, low-income families, people dealing with health crises, those that are facing life circumstances, uh, primarily due to a fixed income of $800 to $1,200 a month who were active members in their neighborhoods, had lived and worked and made a way for themselves, but found themselves in a vulnerable situation that either had a, a tangible housing need, like yard mowing to cleaning, to painting to the roof, maybe leaking, Uh, With those needs that are beyond them. And so, what we essentially have done is created an an online bulletin board where we collect uh, close to 3,000 requests for assistance a year of neighbors all over Fort Wayne, not just in our lower income neighborhoods uh, that have those types of needs. So, we collect those projects, we post them on our website, and then we're really kind of a decentralized volunteer mobilization group. So, we work with about 200 different groups of volunteers, businesses, churches, civic groups, Boy Scout groups, anybody that's looking for a kind of a one-time service opportunity or a way to connect to their neighbors in their neighborhood can come to the website, they can search by those projects, and you can find every yard work project in 46807 and be able to connect directly to that homeowner and work out the details. So it's kind of a modern uh, way or a crowdsourcing way to identify Needs and be able to meet those without having to jump through a lot of hoops.
0: I know you. Excuse me. You've said that you deal with the church groups, Boy Scouts, other types of organizations. Uh, Do you have regular partners? That you work with on a on a daily basis or on a weekly basis?
1: Yeah, on a on a daily basis. So the last handful of years, we have been a really great hub for those that have approached or just entered retirement age, mm-hmm. uh, individuals that worked and and aren't quite ready to to retire. Mm-hmm. Come and we have about uh, collectively between three different groups, a couple of groups of men and a couple of groups of women, that. Uh, volunteer on a daily uh, weekly basis wow. uh, we had one group of volunteers that, that built 70 wheelchair ramps just oh, last my year Lord. they did a group of about 30 individuals took on over 300 home repair projects just last
0: year well you you've talked about a couple of uh, of different uh issues that that i think we need to delve into a little bit deeper how do you identify the actual homeowners who are in need? Uh, I I live in the O7 or somewhere that you've identified as a need area. How do? But how do? Uh, how do you identify that I am in need? How, how do you know who I am? Yeah, good
1: question. Uh, majority of our projects are come from referrals from other agencies. So uh-huh. we're. Trying to support existing social service agencies, we kind of say anything that's falling through the cracks of social services, we want to be, we want to pick those projects up. Mm-hmm. So, two of the biggest sources, uh, United Way provides such a great service in the two hundred and one call system. And the city provides such a great service in 311. So as individuals, homeowners identify that they have their own problem, whether that's through those two sources or Council on Aging, any organizations dealing with aging or disability populations that are providing some other quality of life or independence you know, driven services they are the the point persons and most of those organizations are equipped to meet a lot of needs but these tangible needs Mm -hmm. the social needs that Mm -hmm. are present in our neighborhoods there isn't a lot of structure in order to meet those or a lot of funding so they refer them
0: to us. So social service agencies church groups other organizations might identify a particular need that I have as an as a homeowner. It could be, as you said, a, a, a roof on my home or a general a maintenance on my home, painting, whatever, and then they would let you know, yep. and then you would identify those individuals who are either volunteers or organizations who have... Uh, taking this on as a mission yeah. to come meet with me, meet with my family, and then determine how you can help me. That's the way yeah, it that's works? That's correct, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. There's a great story. There's a woman named Kathleen that contacted us last fall. She had some code uh, code violations that she needed to address, so she called <laughs> and code, vi- uh, code compliance contacted us. We posted her project. We got some volunteers out and took on a handful of projects that they could do, but there was a lot of needs that were beyond the scope of volunteers. And so Kathleen, uh, we built a relationship with her. We eventually found uh, an opportunity through a community development block grant to take some grant dollars and then we fundraised from the community. And we had over 100 donors, volunteers, and several partners that ended up making Kathleen's project happen. And that just wrapped up. Uh, last week. Well, how many projects do you do a year? Last year, we did uh, just over 1,300 projects. This year, we've done 732 projects to date. Oh, my Lord. Uh, Right now, this week, we'll we'll do 13 projects. Uh, We had 102 project
0: requests just last week alone. So how many volunteers are we talking about altogether? Then I, it, obviously it, it takes a, a a village, you know, as they say, you know, to to uh, to be able to handle all these requests. How many how many people do you think actually get involved? Yeah, we uh, we, can- we
1: work with probably about twenty five hundred different volunteers and facilitate about thirty five hundred volunteer
0: experiences a year. And I, I, I'm assuming that you have new volunteers that come in on a regular basis. At least I every hope day. so. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Every day
1: uh, we have new volunteers. We have existing. We have a group that you know maybe volunteered with us last year and they're back again this year. So volunteerism, when you when you get out of the way and allow people to kind of mobilize themselves or work on their their own path, or create an avenue where you can incorporate a group of volunteers or an individual at any time at any way, then it makes it really easy for people to kind of plug in at their own pace and their own desire.
0: Well, there's an, uh, an initiative called Be a Good Neighbor Week that's been it's somewhat new. Uh, Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, this is
1: our third year with Be A Good Neighbor Week. It's our attempt. uh, Volunteering can be hard to get started. We can have great desires, but it's hard to get started. And NeighborLink uh, can be a challenge sometimes, too, because you get overwhelmed by the needs. Mm -hmm. What we've done is tried to create a week-long service event. So it's not just a day. It's kind of a, a way for us to take an entire week, create a bunch of projects, take ownership as a staff to make it really easy for volunteers to plug in and we have volunteer opportunities that are big and they're small and they're during the day and they're in the evening they're on the weekend so what we're trying to do is create a week-long experience where new volunteers want to get involved can come in in a structure that has made it really
0: easy for them 15 years we've been trying to address some of the needs in our in our neighborhoods in one capacity or another And I know you collect data uh, on the various needs and and wants and and desires of of, uh, individuals who live in our community. Is there a trend? Is is there a certain uh, arena that you you seem to think is, is more prominent? yeah one of the most alarming things that we've really been trying
1: to tune into the last couple of years is the the quality of housing is deteriorating Mm -hmm. for many people that are able to live independently Uh, when a roof starts leaking without the resources Mm -hmm. to be able to replace that uh, that home is in jeopardy of Mm -hmm. continued decay and when a homeowner can't save enough on their eight hundred, twelve hundred dollars a right. month income. Right, uh, that home is not going to get any better. And because we collect a lot of data and we get close to three thousand requests for assistance, you can imagine those numbers piling up year after year. Mm-hmm. And so, even over the last three or four years, we could take six hundred roofing projects in our community, and we may be able to address twenty five of those each year, but that's a pretty big gap of what we're not addressing. Mm-hmm. And roofs uh, can be translated to a furnace project or to some significant mm-hmm. electrical problems. Mm-hmm. And then you can have 25 or 30 homes in a quarter mile radius that have twenty-five to $30,000 in repair costs. It's really hard to imagine without some sort of outside mm-hmm. force, mm-hmm. the market responding and turning those homes over. So what we're seeing is aging population or this vulnerable population being able to live longer and independently Mm -hmm. in their home, Mm -hmm. but they don't have the resources to maintain their independence. And so they're faced with a decision to move uh, into housing situations that may not be ideal for them. Who wants to move out of their house, right? Right. Uh, Or they have to live in substandard housing. And when you get very objective and just look at the numbers, entire neighborhoods start to get depressed that way. And without some sort of Mm -hmm. outside um, funding sources or influence it's going to be really hard to address mm-hmm. that so we don't have the answers but our numbers are really starting to question like
0: we can see it because we can heat map it well we know that there are some neighborhoods that are what we refer to on at, at the tipping point yeah and uh what we're trying to do uh, is obviously through work that you do uh is try to keep them from falling off the edge right. and turning into a neighborhood of nothing but rental properties and and, and uh uh, continuing to go through a, a period of deterioration and the like. Now, the city of Fort Wayne has uh, a department housing and neighborhood services uh, that I know we we. Uh, uh, try to get out into the community as much as we can working with neighborhoods and like it i'm assuming that they work with you as well yeah we've been working uh, together for the last four or five years
1: specifically with those community development block grant dollars that i mm-hmm. mentioned earlier right. and what that's allowed us to do is volunteers can often get into some bigger projects that are beyond themselves skill-wise and and in a way for neighborlink to maintain that relationship with that mm-hmm. homeowner and those volunteers uh Hands Department has been able to give us some funding that allows us to hire contractors. So on Kathleen's house, we hired a group of contractors using those funds, and they replaced her roof and siding on uh, in her home's on South Anthony's, which is one of the areas that doesn't get a lot of homeowner investment. And so now we've completely transform that house, and we're starting to watch mm-hmm. and see how is that impacting neighbors right. around them. So we've been working together and we've put in about $200,000 in funding into the homes like this in order to buy some more time and make those improvements.
0: There was a, uh, a program, I don't know if it was state or federal dollars, I'm gonna guess it was federal dollars that recently uh, allowed hands uh, you know, to go in and, and work with your agency and with some others on not only roofing project, uh, but I think furnace yeah. programs as well. They and the, didn't the feds come in with several hundred thousand dollars?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, with those types of funds, at least through our organization, we were able to. We've done roofs. We put in furnaces. We've. Uh, repaired okay. sidewalk and driveways for people in wheelchairs to get in their homes. We fixed the foundation. We put new windows in, in people's houses. So, yeah, some really uh, amazing stabilization type of projects. And that was about owners. a
0: quarter million dollars or something that they came through?
1: Yeah, they've been running a variety of programs. So they've got a program that is uh, more of a loan program for people that right. can afford a 0% interest loan, yeah. which meets a lot of folks mm-hmm. and we are using some of the same funds just in a different way that provides a grant to those that are truly at the bottom you know 20 percent of ami which is
0: really really low income so if we could get another million dollars that'd be that'd be nice it right? certainly would go a long way <laughs>
1: okay. it certainly would go a long way
0: well tell me about this uh research program that you're doing uh i think it's uh, what makes a healthy neighborhood healthy. I know you're collecting data on that. Can you tell us some more about that?
1: When you spend as much time as we do in neighborhoods, we in all different types of neighborhoods, we see some neighborhoods in our community that seem healthier than others in terms of economic development or neighbors participating. And we are spend a lot of time in neighborhoods that get a bad rap and that would be mm-hmm. declared unhealthy by a lot mm-hmm. of people. But mm-hmm. we meet a lot of great neighbors. So what we're trying to do is, is answer that question. What makes a healthy neighborhood healthy? And we are studying right now five specific neighborhoods in Fort Wayne doing quantitative and qualitative data, so looking at the socioeconomics of all these different neighborhoods and, and really the central core of Fort Wayne, and then doing a lot of qualitative, asking neighbors what makes what do they think makes it healthy? Uh, what are some trends? So that we can come back out of that and identify as their five or eight kind of key points. That if an organization like NeighborLink was going to come alongside neighborhoods and help them identify their own needs and start meeting those needs. What would those be? And so that's where this research project is headed. We think all of the resources, if we have an abundant mindset that the needs and many of the needs in our neighborhoods could be met by their neighbors and neighbors want to help each other, Mm -hmm. but they're relatively disconnected. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they can't respond to the needs or they're not creating an environment where somebody has a vulnerability like their yard Mm -hmm. mode, that they can communicate in a trustworthy way. Uh, we know the neighbors would meet those, and so this is a way for us to identify those to help neighborhoods that have good intentions and equip them with with additional resources. I'm glad more. you
0: said that. That you're looking at several different neighborhoods. You know, unfortunately, some zip codes or or some parts of our city uh, have received the the stigma of being uh, the area where all of the problems in our city rest. Yeah, and I know that's not true at all. Uh, it's, uh unfortunately, we have needs all over our community, no matter what the zip code is. Yeah. Uh, there's always pockets of areas that, that need to be addressed. So I'm glad you're taking a look at a number of different neighborhoods. Uh, now, if I want to volunteer for a NeighborLink or I have a, a need for your programs or your services, how, how do I get hold of you?
1: We would love to, uh, to take your request, uh, you can contact us at 260-209. 0074. We have somebody that's always answering the phones and can take your project. You don't need to have the web technology. Or if you do, you can visit us at NeighborLinkFortWayne.org. And the same goes for volunteerism. We will help your uh, family or your business get involved and find meaningful ways to connect. So through our through our website or through our
0: telephone. So na- NeighborLinkFortWayne. Yep. Spelled out Fort Wayne. All spelled out. All one word. Yep. Dot .org. Dot .org. Okay. Or hit the Google and type us in. And oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. (laughs) Outstanding. Well, that's all the time we have for today, Andrew. I I wish we could spend some more time with you. This is just fascinating, the the mission that uh, you and your organization have taken on to make Fort Wayne just a little bit better place to live. So I really want to thank you for joining us today. Before we go, uh, again, uh, please consider volunteering uh, for NeighborLink or pass this information on to those who you think might be in need. So thank you to all of our listeners uh, for tuning us in today. Uh, It's another great day in the city of Fort Wayne. Let's keep our momentum going. This is Mayor Tom Henry. Have a great rest of your day.